Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is three priorities for future success in logistics with my friend, Sarah Banks. How's it going, Sarah? Great, Joe. How are you? Thank you for having me today. Thank you. And uh, before we get started, Sarah, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're located. Sure. So uh, I am uh, part of a company called Accenture. We're a large global professional services company. In fact, over 500,000 employees serving clients in over 120 countries. But my little patch within Accenture is to lead our global freight and logistics practice. So that's clients that are really involved in moving products and, and cargo from a to Z. I, I while I have a global role, I do live in the United States. Actually, live in Michigan. Um, Hallelujah! Yeah, <laughs> another uh, uh, Michigan link for you. Um, so yeah, I have been in Michigan for the majority of my life. Although I have lived around the globe at different phases, but Michigan is where I call home. Very nice, very nice. I think what's interesting is, and we talked about this when we first met, is you go back to five, ten years ago, or even now for other logistics, other consulting firms. They say, oh, yeah, we have a supply chain practice. And the supply chain practice would encompass logistics, but it wasn't up. So you, you serve, you serve companies that are in the business of trucking, warehousing, technology that serves the supply chain, not necessarily. So you're not going after the Fords and the General Motors. Well, and- we do. It's it's not the area I that sit too, in in Accenture, too. but yes, definitely. We have a very large uh, supply chain practice, but it is true. My little patch is just serving the clients that actually are in the the logistics of the product movement. Very nice. Very nice. And again, it is very nice to talk to a fellow Michigan. I always say I'm not for sure. Is it Michiganian or Michigander? I, I, I always wanted it to be Michiganian, but I think it is now officially is Michigander, Michigander yeah, <laughs> which is not right. right for me. But uh, yeah, we live about 20 minutes away. I was just a, it was at a class reunion in Plymouth the other day, right where you live. So anyway, um, before we get into the topic today, uh, the, the three priorities for future success. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And give us some career highlights. Yeah, so I, I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan, home of Michigan State University. Actually did attend there uh, for my undergrad. After undergrad, I actually had the opportunity to get into the logistics industry. I didn't really know I was going to end up in the logistics industry. I had an opportunity to go to an ocean carrier, American President Lines, APL at, at that time. Uh, of course, the industry has changed a lot since way back when. Um, and that got me exposed to just the joys of being involved in logistics, all the components that make it all happen, the complexity, especially globally. You know, we have a very international supply chain focus in the world that we live in. And so being part of that was just really exciting. I did have the opportunity to go back to Michigan State again to complete my education there with a master's in uh, supply chain and logistics, which I think is just an excellent program. I think we're really fortunate to have that program at Michigan State. But that really just reinforced my my 
joy and commitment to being part of this industry. And then I shifted over into the consulting side and have been with Accenture for about 10 years now, really helping big global companies that are in this segment, the freight and logistics segment um, with, you know, different uh, strategy work, um, technology work, and even uh, operations work where, in fact, like for a number of freight and logistics clients, we run their finance and accounting departments for them. So it's really, uh, really interesting. Yeah. And and for those of you who don't know it, uh, Michigan State is, I think, the number one supply chain school in the world. And uh, I I know that's gone back and forth and, uh, you know, you see different lists, but I know they're always at the top of that list. Uh, And uh, I know if I had MIT people, they were like, yeah, but we were on that. (laughs) (laughs) They were were a great program too. MIT is an excellent program. There's just a lot of good programs out there in this space. I was just going to say that is I think uh, Grand Valley here in the state of Michigan is good. I've heard Western Michigan, I heard is in the top 10 nationwide. So there's, and I think also people don't know there's a packaging program at Michigan State, which is just, you know, kind of logistics brother, right? And that packaging program, uh, packaging engineering, I think it's under School of Engineering, but and I think the Packaging Associations of America is based over there. So if you want to move stuff, (laughs) you want an MSU grad near it. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, and I have have one of my daughters went there and uh, she was a finance person, but uh, closely, closely related in the business program. So, Let's get into the topic here today. So when we were prepping, we talked about, you know, what should we talk about? One of the things you felt very strongly is like there's, you know, big changes happening and you're advising these companies in the logistics, transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, all this stuff, all these spaces. And you said there's three big priorities you see that if you're going to be successful going forward. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those priorities. So what's that? What's the first priority for future success in logistics? I mean, I think that the first priority is to have a really strong strategy or understanding around the strategy of becoming more integrated. And integration has two facets to it. There's one facet that's really around the horizontal integration, which means taking what you do today and doubling down on it, right? As we talked about before, it's a, it's something that really ties to if you're in a market and you're doing a certain set of capabilities and you're doing it well, you know, you and I, Joe, talked about cold chain earlier, but it can be other capabilities too. It could be around, you know, customs clearance services. Like you do that really well, look to expand that, look to grow that, that capability. Right. And we've seen that in the market. It's been going on actually for decades around, you know, mergers and acquisitions where companies buy like companies to really strengthen their position. And that I think is is one key focus is the horizontal. But I also think there is a vertical integration shift that's happening now that's really significant. And I I think there is value in this. Um, Traditional players, particularly the carriers, are going out and buying or partnering to get additional capabilities to better serve their customers. I think the most interesting one in the market was, you know, FedEx actually acquired ShopRunner, which gets them into a domain that's much closer to Amazon, right? It's not even about the physical move of the product. It's actually getting into the retail part of it, how to get products, you know, being exciting to customers to buy. So I think that that is an interesting example, or even CMA CGM, they're a very large traditional 
actually uh, known as an ocean shipping company. They're getting into the air cargo market, starting their own air cargo airline. So I think there's huge opportunities for logistics companies to think about where they are and being very purposeful about how they want to integrate either the double down horizontal strategy or getting more vertically integrated so that they can be part of that product flow, the physical flow from A to Z. Right. And, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because we've seen, we, we did another podcast not so long ago called Blurred Lines, and it was kind of talking a little bit about that. And when you think about this, uh, not so long ago, Amazon was an online marketplace, right? So the, the, we all bought from it and we got our stuff. And then somewhere along the line, they decided we have to manage this customer experience. We need to have our own logistics. And it's funny, somebody said to me on my podcast not so long ago, Amazon isn't getting into logistics. They are logistics. And what a huge move that would be. Because I was thinking, what's the opposite of of an online marketplace? A whole bunch of warehousing facilities. That's almost the opposite business, or so it seemed. But they made that investment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that they do it for an intent around customer-centric capabilities, right? right? And I think that's where having that strategic question of where do I want to operate and how to either, like I said, double down with a horizontal strategy or and even consider the vertical integration, it's all about doing better for your customers and being very connected into it. And I think Amazon, as you pointed out, is a great example of that. But I think what you're seeing, you know, I call it like the shape shifting happening in the industry. Companies that I think mm-hmm. I know who they are actually are right. doing different things to help create right. a better experience for me or, or for other businesses that are looking to engage with their customers. Yeah, it's interesting. So I've done a lot of training in this space. And uh, when when I first started looking at it, you, have, you want categories. So I would say third-party logistics. What is third-party logistics? And so I think Inbound Logistics said what this was. They said it's transportation, which is like trains and boats and trucks and all the stuff in that it carried. And then warehousing, which we all know what warehouses are, but fulfillment became increasingly important, pick and pack. I would say warehousing is taking stuff out of big boxes, putting in little boxes and shipping. That's most of it. But but then the, the you mentioned the special services like customs and all that kind of stuff. Then there's the logistics bucket and then there's this technology. So these five big buckets, it was real simple when you start to look at the third party logistics in those five buckets, but how many companies bleed across every one of those categories? Yeah. It, it, it's very normal now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I think and the I, key is though, it's the the you can bleed across them or serve across all those different right. segments, but it's really about how well you can stitch those together for your customers. And that right. I think is some of the the art behind the science. Like there are big moves in the, the M&A space, so a lot of merger and acquisition activity, not just in our industry for logistics, but in general, a lot of things right. happening out there. And I think along with that, while it may tie to becoming either more horizontal or vertically integrated, at the end of the day, you got to be able to stitch it together in a way that a customer can consume, can appreciate, can understand. And so it's one thing to kind of dabble in it. But I think, again, the the art along with the science is knowing how to stitch it together. Yeah. And that also applies to there's a lot of companies that are, you know, Silicon Valley kind of companies, although they might not be based in Silicon Valley anymore. We'll call it the the VC-backed startup, and those guys tend to be tech guys because that's what VCs invest in. 
And when they find themselves saying, oh yeah, we're in warehousing or we're in this other business, they might have to go get operational expertise. And there's another stitching together there. And I think we're starting to see a lot of hybrids where you go, yeah, that that gal is very much a techie, but she knows this trucking business or she knows this fulfillment business like the back of her hand. But, there, but there's still a lot of that stitching required in the business. Yeah. And I think just on that point, you're going to see some of those missing components, some of those digital components in these, you know, kind of dot com type companies that are getting into logistics that the bigger players are are going to need. So I think, again, we're going to see a lot of M&A activity in there. And again, how those acquisitions get integrated in, how you can stitch them together will really, I think, separate the the winners from the losers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the first big, the first big uh, priority is this integration, horizontal and vertical. Well, I'm sorry, horizontal, vertical. And uh, so what is the next big priority companies need to worry about if they want to be successful? I mean, I think, you know, everyone realizes this one, it's sustainability. I think sustainability is a tipping point, honestly, in terms of the awareness and I think the impact that logistics has to net zero kind of carbon neutral agenda that governments are pushing for that I think people are really hoping to see and realize. And so from an industry perspective, I think it's we're we're now evolving from just the commitments saying, hey, we want to do this or we aspire to be like this in terms of sustainability to actually getting concrete about it. And that is new technologies like the push to EVs. Now, EVs isn't a total carbon zero play, but it's a lot better than the combustible engine options. I also think that there are components around uh, the data capture that goes along with a journey. So we've got a lot of international supply chains that that make it very hard to be able to understand the journey from the beginning to the end and that total net carbon impact. So we do averages today, like on average, from Asia to the U.S., you're probably looking at a carbon impact of X. I think we're, we're starting to see a push to get the real insights. You know, the congestion in the West Coast ports, you know, you've been talking about this. You know, the, those ships that are staying out at sea that can't come in, those have a very different carbon impact picture than those that actually can be moved more efficiently from point right. of origin to destination. And I think that's going to be a key part of, of being more sustainable is getting to real right. data and understanding the real impact. Right. You know, the this comes up a little bit on my podcast. And one of the things I always say is consumers, we all are making more decisions based on sustainability. So you, you buy from companies that value it because you value it. And I have two daughters in their 20s. And I know when I want to buy them gifts, it's always like, oh, go to this website. And one or the other. And, and it's never it's never mainstream companies. And they're both against fast fashion, which they say is wasteful. And which I didn't even know was a thing until not so long ago. But um, <laughs> people are buying based on that. And so the big, cons- the big consumer package goods brands are realizing that. And they're going to say at some point to their logistics provider, tell me what you're doing. And if you don't have an answer, it's not something you can just say, oh, well, we're going to do it. Or uh, we'll add three PowerPoint slides and just talk over it. Nope, you have to start and you have to start now because when you're asked, it's too late. And I think there's so many, I've said this many times on my podcast, 
one KPI. Put one KPI in your scorecard. If you say, we measure some sort of cost measure, we measure something on on-time performance, we measure damage, put something on there about carbon. And I know FreightWaves is going to help us right now. They're already helping us with measuring, I think it's carbon on, on domestic travel. It's just start and, and recognize that yeah. it might be just directionally correct. And somebody says, is this a perfect measure? No, but we start. That's how you start KPIs when it's imperfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We got to start somewhere. And I think we're at a point, though, where we can be much more precise right. about the impact a particular shipment makes. And I think the point you raise about logistics companies stepping in because there's expectations for the customers they serve that logistics companies are stepping in. Um, and that is like even offering options. You know, we're we're all consumers here of e-commerce. You talked about your right. daughters that get this from this website. You know, being able to have different delivery options options right now. I could get a delivery three times a week, four times a week, depending on how often I buy or the choice I make in terms of I need it tomorrow versus five days from now. You know, shifting to a model where I could have delivery maybe once a week, consolidated options, or maybe I go to a place where I could walk to pick up a package. I think there's a lot of, of options out there that are still to be designed and realize that can actually make a difference in terms of the carbon impact. Right. right. It's so important. And, and, and I've, it's, there's gonna, always going to be people who say, oh, well, that's not my thing. I don't even believe. I don't believe climate change. It, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. What matters is your customers believe it. So they're making decisions based on it. Who cares? Right. So that's how I yeah. feel about it is customers. If, if customers want it, I'm going to deliver that. I'm not, it's not for me to say, oh, let me explain to you why I don't really actually think this is a big problem. No, it doesn't matter. If they think it's a problem, you should treat it accordingly. And um, it's interesting. I just did a podcast the other day with Jason Miller, the professor from Michigan State. You know him? I I know of him, yeah. So Uh we did a podcast on supply chain and logistics from 1940 to 2040. And we talked about one product, which is the iron skillet. The iron skillets used to be made, and I, we kind of told the story of us iron skillet going, they're always made in Wisconsin, and then they ended up being made in China. And now they're starting to trickle back because they're made with automation. So the supply chain that used to be very local, that would be made in Wisconsin and come over here to Michigan or wherever, if they would go through the country, it was very local using iron ore from northern Michigan or Minnesota now is made that that iron ore china doesn't have their own it comes from australia or brazil we have this global supply chain to deliver something that we can easily do here so we're going to see those supply chains get really much shorter i hate the fact that stuff is on the ocean for one month and you go well china can do it cheaper sometimes the reason china can do it cheaper is because it's been over there for 30 years and they automated it automation can live here also it doesn't matter right yeah, and, and I think the sustainability point, if we can share the, the impact from a CO2 emission perspective of that journey, and even sometimes even the raw material needs to get shipped in because it right. may not be local right. to where the manufacturing takes place, if you really net that all out, 
and I, and you make that visible to your point about what consumers want. I think if you share that information, I do believe customers will start asking right. for different options in the supply right. chain to make sure that they can realize whatever agendas they have, if it's sustainability or even fair labor practices. Yes. I mean, with the more information and exposure, I definitely think there will be shifts to supply chain. No question about it. And logistics companies need to be prepared for that and, and be able to right. respond. And, uh, Deborah Dull was on the podcast talking about uh, circular supply chains. And that's more or less using some of this waste from one supply chain as an input to another supply chain. So if I buy one of the processes, create steam, use that steam to power something else. And that's talking a little bit about, you know, reconditioning, recycling, all that kind of stuff. It's not an easy process, but it's a worthwhile process. And I think it can be very profitable also. But what's interesting is she pointed out that, you know, those little peach peaches that you get for your kids and their lunch and they're like little snack yeah. pack, I think they call them. She said those peaches are grown in South America, shipped to Asia, put in uh, those packages and then shipped back here for consumption. And I was like, we grow peaches here. I used to have a peach tree in my yard. Like it's not hard. So how did this happen? And you go and somebody's saying, well, because it's less expensive. But does it have to be? I mean, something is crazy in that process. Yeah. And I, I do think over time, there will be a whole evolution of supply chain changes. I think the pandemic also put a big spotlight in certain aspects, whether it was access to healthcare related supplies at the beginning of the pandemic. And right. I think the French government took a very bold position in terms of the regulating the supply chain related to that. But I think even the chip shortage, right, and in, in terms of how that uh, has actually impacted our ability to get products that we need, it, it's very... Uh, it, it's it's very enlightening and, and has opened up, I think, some new questions about the supply chain and, right. and the way logistics companies need to support it. Right. I would also like to see, and I think we're going to see this, I think I would like to see when I order a t-shirt and say, you know what, I need that t-shirt right now. Please send it. I, I need it same day. It's important. <laughs> and I get that t-shirt and they say, oh, free shipping. And even if I decided I would like to send it back and send me two other ones because I want to try them both on this time and I'm going to send one back, I think it would be nice if it is free. Somebody, I think every time I say free, some venture capitalist grows a gray hair. It's, just, it's not free, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think there should be a, a, a price of carbon on there. And and, it, and it's not an easy thing, but we if it, if if I was say, able to say to you, Sarah, Yes, you can order three sweaters in two different sizes and three different colors and try them all on and then send them all back, send two back. Just recognize there's a cost to it. And maybe we still do it, but as soon as you start to go, God, look at me. I spend uh, twice as much carbon as my my husband every year at Amazon. That would be interesting for you to know. And maybe you start to adjust your behaviors. Yeah, I definitely think that getting access to the data and having the analytics behind it is a huge piece of what needs to happen to make different decisions that impact logistics services. There's no question about it. And again, I think going back to how we started this point, it's really a tipping point, right? I think people want it. They want the visibility. I think we're finally in a position to be able to provide it with, you know, better technologies and data capture capabilities. Which brings us to the third point. So, you know, a lot of times when we talk about sustainability, we talk about about it being uh, the planet. And I have one of my kids went to school for her degrees in sustainable business. She went to Aquinas and the sustainable business program taught her that rather than just measure profit every year, measure profit, planet, people. 
And so when she saw, talks about if you're going to have a sustainable business, it has to do all three. In the past, all you had to do was be profitable, right? But yeah. if you want to be sustainable, at some point, you have to be good for the planet or at least neutral to the planet or not, or better than your competition. And you have to be good to people because it's not sustainable if you don't do all three. And I know someone would say, well, you don't need to make profit. If you don't make profit, you're going to go out of business someday. And someone who doesn't care about the planet, doesn't care about people are going to step into your place. So we need all three, which brings yeah. us to the people. I know you wanted to talk about the talent. So definitely tell us about why that should be a priority. You know, I mean, I think it's, you know, the boom of e-commerce associated with the pandemic, I think, again, has really highlighted the fact that logistics is really the the heart and soul of how we get our products, how we operate in our lives and, right. and the things that we need, how we get those things. But it, But it's an industry, right, that needs to fight for talent with other industries. And I think there are some things working against the logistics industry that I think we need to tackle in order to drive more success. I think one is the conditions in which a lot of people do operate within the logistics segment. You know, there are very tough conditions that can be the environment you're in may not be as safe as you would like it to be. It may not be as clean as you would need it to be. It may not provide you with the hours uh, that you would like, you know, if you're a truck driver and maybe doing long hauls, you're away from your family and friends for prolonged periods of time in a confined space, sitting down. With, that, with security I think issues. To be with security issues. Exactly. With security issues, right? You're not always in the safest places and, and can ensure your own, uh, your personal safety. So I think that there is something around the conditions that we need to be looking at more differently in terms of providing options of people to maybe structure their their work week differently, providing them with better technology that can help provide more insight into their surroundings, such as advising if you're going into maybe an, an unsafe position, like bending over when you shouldn't be bending over, or maybe going into an area that may not be safe for you to go into. There are certain ways to leverage that. I think creating a better worker experience, improving right. the conditions is going to be key to attract the talent uh, for the future. Right, right. You know, I also feel um, when we were talking, I know you felt very strongly we need to get more women into logistics and supply chain. And I, and then we started talking and we went all over the place. But one of the things also, we just had the census come out. And if you look at the biggest chunk of, I think white is the net, the biggest ethnic group or I don't know, color, whatever you want to call it. Second big group was other. So it gets harder to just say, oh, I want to help minorities or women because I feel like we have this great economic miracle that we live in in the West. Most of us live very nice lives, but I think one of the things that it, it doesn't feel right if everyone isn't able to participate. So I don't care who it is who's not able to participate. If you're 70 years old and still want to work, I want to help you be in this business. If you're a woman who says, I, I don't have any contacts or a man, minority, it doesn't matter to me. I think we need to be more creative. You know what? The work from home thing is an interesting thing because suddenly it's okay for a lot of people to work from home, which just makes all of a sudden, if you're a, a parent who says, I want to be here for my kids when they get home or I go into school you know, during the day here, <laughs> I love the idea that yeah. we can be a little more flexible that way. 
And, and I think that that speaks directly to the point on the working conditions, the environment that you provide your employees, I think will open up access to people who maybe only want shorter work weeks, like only working a day a week, for example. You know, we've seen some shifts right now to be able to get people to right. come to work, getting paychecks every day. Like we will pay you every day, not every two weeks. So I think there's this whole shift of being very employee centric. And I think these are jobs that are tough to attract everyone there because some of the conditions are difficult. And so I think we have to look at more creative options to be able to get people to say, I want to work in this industry. And I think the point around women um, as an industry, like the, the, the presence of women is it's still lacking. And I feel like there is an opportunity there in terms of creating flexibility in work conditions, creating opportunities to improve the working environment itself right. to benefit right. all candidly. I mean, it should benefit every person that wants to participate in this industry. I think will really help make sure that logistics companies can compete. Because if you don't if you don't really attract to like really half of the population to come to your industry, right. you're not going to be able to win. You won't get as many applicants. Right. You won't get as much interest. You won't see, um, you know, those career paths open up. And I think that's a great challenge right. that the industry needs to solve. And you think solve. about traditionally a woman will, women will take more of an active role in rear, child rearing and in caring for elderly parents, just kind of being that more the in charge of the family. And so, of course, they don't want to get on the road and be gone for days at a time. And I think we're seeing more and more trucking companies say, we're going to get you home, you know, more nights, maybe every night, you know, more doing and, and the hours of service kind of drove some of that. So there's more relays. And I think <laughs> we talk now a lot more about where are they going to spend the night? We got to get this. So it's, a, I'm not going to a sketchy area to spend the night. I have to be able to say, I parked my truck and I either slept in a cab where I'm completely safe <laughs> in a secure space yeah. or a hotel that's that's decent and not putting myself at risk while I'm on the road. So there's a, there's a lot of things. And you know, also another thing, we talked about the gig economy, which is so important to this last mile. We have to make those people feel as if they have a way into the supply chain. I, I know some of them just say, I don't care. I can make decent money just driving. I don't want a career in supply chain. But some of them are going to want one. We have to help move those people out. Same with the fulfillment centers. There's humongous amounts of people in fulfillment centers and in the gig economy. And we have to help them. Not all of them have college degrees. Some of them do. Let's get them into the supply chain. Let that that be a, a, a starting point, not a dead end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really do think having career path options, like finding a way to get people into an organization. So it could be starting in some type of gig economy role, like being a part-time driver as an example, or maybe being a picker and packer when you feel like it. But being being able to create a path to show where else can I go? Where else could I contribute? The visibility and the thinking about those employee journeys, again, I think will help logistics companies be competitive. It's a tough market. You know, we were talking before, Joe, about how, you know, one of the logistics executives I'm working with is really concerned about the type of workers they have access to. They want to do more in data and analytics, and they're struggling to be able to compete against other industries like financial services that will pay a lot more, are perceived as being more of a a nicer environment to work in, more cool, more innovative, cutting edge. And, And I think if logistics doesn't want to get left behind, I think, again, 
career pathing or creating environments for those people to feel like, gosh, right. I can make a difference here and can contribute will be so Yeah, important. and I think, you know, we, one of the things is I went to school and I got my undergrad, my master's at night, and I felt I had to. And I look now and go, God, what a long time I spent going to school. And I think now we should start to, we, people who can make decisions, should say, I don't care. It's wonderful you have a degree from in supply chain from Michigan State. That's not everyone's role. Can I get a Google course that teaches me data? Can I go to Michigan State and get a certificate for, you know, a 10-week course? I don't know what their programs are. Yeah. And get people in this program. So if you say, look, I got somebody who's a great, great worker in the fulfillment center or in the gig economy, and I want them to have opportunities, don't force them to have a four-year degree in logistics or finance or data. Because it, it, first off, it's just such a waste. I think we're looking now at college and saying, let's rethink that. Get out of my soap, soapbox after this. College should be three years starting right now. Right now, every degree at every university should go in three years and, and figure it out. The rest of us had to do with less than 25%. Right now, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the British system is, is anchored in that, right? You go right in to study what you need to study. Right. You don't spend time on other topics. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there there's different ways to approach education. And I think a lot of logistics is actually learning on the right. job. The most, you know talented people we have in the industry are people that actually have never been to college. They actually just know how supply right. chains run and how logistics works. And we can't ignore right. that. No and doubt you know, about guys, it. We, we all need to watch uh, Amazon because they're being criticized sometimes and sometimes praised about what they're doing. They have an enormous amount of employees in the gig economy, you know, delivering stuff, but they also have these people who are, I think, in, in business for themselves, driving those trucks and their fulfillment centers. And I hear people say, there's no room for growth there. If if that becomes the de facto, because they're so big, everyone's going to look to that and say, that's how this business is. So hopefully Amazon will step up. And I guess we're soon, what is Walmart going to do? So we're going to see how to manage this. And it can't be, it, we're, too, we're too wealthy of a country for people to take crap jobs. That's just the, that, that is what the pandemic is starting to bring out. And there'll be bad times again, but this is overall a, country that has lots of options. Yeah, definitely. I think the workers right now have a lot of, of say in terms of the jobs that they want and the environments they want to right. work in. Definitely. So Sarah, please wrap this up. And then I want to talk about Accenture before you jump to your next meeting. <laughs> Okay, well, I would just say again, you know, the, the top three things for logistics companies to be focused on, the integration component, sustainability, and talent, obviously. So it's been great to be able to to talk about all of those things with you. Um, and, I, and I think from an Accenture perspective, that's the type of work that we do. We're in helping clients in this space. We, we do work broadly across the supply chain. So the little patch I have, as I mentioned, is really working with the logistics companies themselves as, as we start to tackle these challenges challenges and, and looking forward to, to continuing that work. Excellent. Excellent. So before you go, tell us a little bit about um, what, what's going on over Accenture. I guess attending some conferences in person in the fall. You know, right now we have no plans on any in-person events, uh, but actually have been quite delighted in terms of the, the types of programs that we've been able to run. Like we're a big supporter of innovation and we've done innovation awards globally, one in Europe and one nice. in the U.S., particularly for the logistics industry to highlight the startups and look at the contribution that they can make. Um, but as we plan, you know, our, our fiscal year starts in September. So we're right now looking at what our plan will be. We're hoping 
hoping that we will get some access to in-person events and uh, yeah, looking forward to engaging with clients really face-to-face as we, we go into right. our next And so year. tell us, uh, before, uh, who do you serve? I know you work with logistics and transportation companies, but be specific about like the kind of companies you're working with and what you're doing for them. So we work with uh, with clients that are in the integrator space, the freight forwarding, 3PL segments. We work with ports. Uh, those would be, I think, the primary and then the freight rail segment. Those would be the primary segments that we serve. We, With our clients, we do operate under confidentiality with most of our programs, actually. So we don't, we don't give out the client names, but we definitely have a big footprint in, in those different segments. But if you were to say names, we would all recognize them <laughs> exactly you have all names that you would know yes definitely <laughs> so that's excellent Sarah. so what i'll do is i'll put a link to accenture in the in the show notes in your specific page for your practice and i put a link to your linkedin profile and if you and, you, and if you give it to me i also put that link to that innovation awards that you talked about or any other links that you guys have okay. and sarah thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on and talking about all this stuff Thank you. It was really interesting. Appreciated the discussion. It's nice to talk to a fellow Michiganian. <laughs> we will have to get together in real, like in real life, because we in live like real life. 20 no minutes away from each other. <laughs> all right, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.